Vox Quick Hits. The UK entered the new year finally divorced from the European Union. It took four years to get there. In 2016, Britain voted by referendum to exit the EU. Negotiating the terms of Brexit turned out to be complicated. It took years of back and forth, countless fits and starts, and two prime ministers to get a deal done. Now, the UK and the EU are learning to live without each other, and Brexit's aftermath is difficult to navigate. For people living in the UK, many of whom opposed Brexit in the first place, the break is having real, tangible, and often difficult repercussions. The same goes for businesses, public services, and government officials. Fox Foreign reporter Jen Kirby is here to talk about Brexit after the breakup. So, what is the deal with Brexit? Is it over? I guess it depends who you ask, but I think the Brexit as we know it is over. Just to give a quick recap, back in January of 2020, the United Kingdom officially left the European Union, and that set off this 11-month transition period, which is basically what's been consuming the news for the past year. And in that time, the UK was following all of the EU rules, but they didn't have any power. And the goal was to try to figure out a deal that would become the framework of their future relationship, so how they would trade and work together on a lot of different issues. And so in typical Brexit fashion, those negotiations went down to the wire. And I think about Christmas Eve, they finally struck a deal on trade and other big issues like fishing, which established the future relationship. So as of January 1st, 2021, both the EU and the UK had a fresh start on their new bond, shall we say. Issues like fishing? Yes. (laughs) What does that mean? (laughs) They have a fisheries policy because the UK, of course, is uh, an island. And so when they were all in the European Union, they had negotiated access to everyone's waters. So now that the UK left, they had to figure out how much fish other boats from other European countries could get in the waters and vice versa. So they had to come up with a deal on that. And that was a really big sticking point because it's sort of a thing of national pride, even though it's not a big part of the economy. So it was really tied in the UK to national sovereignty and this idea of like, we're doing this for our fishermen. And it was also a big issue for similar reasons, politically important in like European countries like France. So it was a really big sticking point and they actually need to renegotiate in five years. So it will come up again. (laughs) Um, So I guess, you know, understanding that this is not all completely done, but it's done-ish. What is life like for people in the UK post-Brexit? So I think we're still starting to get a full sense of what this new relationship will look like. One of the reasons why it's still a little bit unclear is because people aren't traveling all that much because of the COVID-19 pandemic and trade is down. But there are some big things. The the real big one is for people who own businesses, there's a lot more red tape if you're doing trade with the European Union. There are no tariffs on goods, but there are customs checks and declarations. So it's just a lot more paperwork that is slowing up some businesses and making it pretty costly, um, along with additional rules. If you're a a person, um, you know, you can no longer go to the special like passport line. So you have to, you know, have new restrictions on travel. Also, um, you can't stay in the European Union indefinitely. You would need to get a visa after a certain point. 
And then there are some other random things like, for example, if you are an Amazon Prime customer in the UK, you can't access your full library if you travel to Europe. So just random regulation things um, like your pets, you need a special certificate, professional qualifications um, may not be reciprocal anymore. So there's a lot of minor changes that people aren't fully aware of because they haven't tried to travel, but that's happening. Whenever like the post-COVID travel begins, people are going to have a lot of surprises. Probably. <laughs> um, so are there still uncertainties that need to be figured out between the European Union and the United Kingdom, stuff that's not settled yet? Yeah, there are definitely some things. One of the big one is financial services uh, still needs to be negotiated. And as I mentioned, the fishing arrangement between the European Union and the UK will likely have to be renegotiated. There's also some other things as they adjust to these new rules and this new relationship that will have to be sorted out. There was like a big debate about whether the EU ambassador to the UK could actually be considered an ambassador. And there was like a whole diplomatic spat about that. But they were basically like, it's an organization. And so it doesn't count. And then they wouldn't get diplomatic immunity. And it was like this whole thing. Anyway, things are <laughs> things are not great. <laughs> I guess my question is, like, do people regret this? This was a referendum that that people voted for. But like, is there kind of buyer's remorse here? Well, I think kind of the overarching thing about Brexit was until Brexit actually happened, it could be all things to all people. And now the realities of Brexit are starting to set in. And I do think it is a wake up call for some people. Um, there's a clip that circulated shortly after, you know, the beginning of the year with a, a businessman who traded with the EU who was like, if I had known this would happen, I wouldn't have voted for Brexit because like, he basically was like, my business can't handle uh, these regulations. But I think one of the things that's complicated right now is because of the pandemic, it's a lot easier to, you know, kind of hide and disguise some of the fallout for Brexit because everything is so bad right now. So I don't think the implications have fully made themselves known. At the same time, the people who were always opposed to Brexit were basically like, hey, we told you so. It was not going to be good, and here we are. The people who really believe in Brexit believe that it was the right thing to do. They believe that they'll be able to make these great trade deals. They believe that they'll have more influence on the world stage. I guess the question is, is that a good trade-off for kind of blowing up your economy? I won't really know. <laughs> so what else do we have to watch out for from the political fallout from Brexit? Like, what happens to Scotland? Scotland overwhelmingly voted to remain in the European Union, and they were opposed to Brexit pretty much throughout. And so the Scottish National Party in Scotland is pushing for a referendum, and they're basically saying, you know, we want to be part of the European Union, and the only way we can do that is if you let us be independent. Obviously, Scotland had a referendum vote in 2014 that narrowly failed, but the circumstances have changed quite a bit. And Polls indicate that there is growing support and um, Boris Johnson doesn't like a referendum right now, at least when it comes to uh, Scottish independence. But the SNP has said if they win parliamentary elections in May of this year, they will put forward a referendum after the pandemic. So I imagine that will get pretty messy in the UK and also probably involving the European Union as well. I mean, this is pretty broad, but 
what happens next in like Brexit world? Sort of the next big milestone, at least the one that I'm looking at, is what happens in Northern Ireland. So because of really complicated reasons that involve the history of Northern Ireland and Ireland, there is a border between Ireland and Northern Ireland that has to remain open because it's politically sensitive and important. And to keep that border open as part of the Brexit negotiations, they had to come up with an agreement as a way to check goods, but not do it on that particular land border. So there will be checks on goods coming from other parts of Great Britain, like England, into Northern Ireland, which means there's a lot more barriers. And so, you know, officials in Northern Ireland have warned that they, you know, might have supply chain issues, might have shortages of food, because we don't really know how these checks are going to play out. And right now there's a grace period, but that grace period is going to end in a few months. And so that could get really complicated as well. Well, thanks for coming on, Jen, to explain the Brexit that seems to never end. Thank you for having me. Jen Kirby is a foreign and national security reporter at Vox, and you can find her on Twitter at Jen underscore Kirby.